Thank you, Ryan. Well, it is a happy day today. It's an exciting day. It's a day of celebration today because we are going to be baptizing two little guys, Liam and Solomon, today. So it's a day when, you know, it's just a day of great rejoicing, day of great rejoicing certainly for the family, for those who have joined us also to uh, be a part of that. It's really a day for all of us to rejoice. Really, really happy day. Uh, Unfortunately, I'm going to be bringing up an uncomfortable topic today. Uh, I'm going to be talking about something that, you know, we really don't like to to, uh, hear about, we don't like to think about, circumcision. Now, you might, uh, as I go on, you might be thinking here today that this is really in poor taste. I mean, why today? Why bring it up today? Because it's such a celebratory day. This is something we want to we just rejoice in. I mean, can't you bring it up another day? Not today, especially not today, right? Just seems like it might be in poor taste. It's not in poor taste, though. And the reason why is that in, uh, for us to really understand what's about to happen to Solomon and to Liam, what's really going on here, if we're really going to enter into the meaning of baptism, we have to understand circumcision. At least according to the Apostle Paul. So please stand with me as we read the Apostle Paul on baptism, who doesn't seem to um, want to talk about baptism without bringing up circumcision. We're going to be doing two readings. We're going to be reading from Colossians chapter 2 to start out. And then I want to ask you to remain standing because we're going to, we're going to be reading a second reading as well. And it's in your bulletin on pages 12 and 13. We're also going to try to project it on the screen for you. But again, I'm going to be reading from Colossians chapter 2 and verses 10 through 14. And you have been filled in him, that is Christ, who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Now, Paul might be using some terms that are kind of confusing to you as you think about it. It turns out that the New Testament is an extended commentary on the Old Testament. And you'll know if you start to read any place in the New Testament, any book of the New Testament, you can't go far without the author making reference to or pointing back to or somehow bringing in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. So what we're going to do this morning is follow Paul's lead. Since he brings up circumcision and talking about baptism, we're going to go back to circumcision in the Old Testament. In fact, we're going to go back to the very place where it's introduced as a religious rite. We're going to go back to the very first passage in the book of Genesis where circumcision is introduced as a rite for the people of God, not introduced to the world because it existed in cultures before this. But this is where God says, Yahweh says, now this is something that has meaning for us. I'm going to give it meaning in your lives. So 
We're going to read from Genesis chapter 17. Again, this is in your bulletin. And if you're going in your Bible, it's Genesis 17, verses 1 through 14. I'm reading in the ESV version. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called, your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make you into nations, and kings shall come from you, and I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan, for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said to Abram, Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your offspring after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your offspring after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. You shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskins, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised. Every male throughout your generations, whether born in your house or bought with your money from any foreigner who is not of your offspring, both he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money shall surely be circumcised. So shall my covenant be in your flesh an everlasting covenant. Any uncircumcised male who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Please make yourself comfortable. I do like to ask you to stand when I'm reading the scriptures just to, make, uh, just to distinguish there between the words that are coming from the book and my words. You should listen to what I say, but you should really listen to the, what God says. So we've heard now from these scriptures, and we've gone back to what circumcision is about. And we, we can look and see in verse 11 there, right, that circumcision is the sign of this covenant that God is making with Abraham. It's a sign that is pointing to a spiritual truth, right? It's something that gets us there spiritually. And this is a powerful sign. It's an effective sign. It's, it, it's doing something very real. Something very real is happening in this sign, in this case of circumcision. Okay? In fact, it's so effective that sometimes it stands for the covenant, Right? That's what's going on in verse 10 when God says, this is my covenant. Get circumcised, Abraham. Well, it's sort of like you know, a sign works on the side of the road. Like if you're going, some of you on, on vacation, and you're, you pass a sign and it says, here's the sign, and it's, here's where the water park is. Maybe you're going to the water park, or here's where Disney is, you know, or here's where the campsite is. What happens in the car? What does everybody yell out in the car? We're here, right? We're here. Well, you're not really there. You're just at the sign, right? But the sign is so effective. You so believe in the sign 
that it's accomplishing something in you. It's like it's saying you're, you're, you're getting there. You're on the right track. Here's where you go in. That's kind of what's happening in verse 10, where, where the, the sign is standing for the covenant. God says, here's my sign. Here's my covenant. Get circumcised. Very effective. But, of course, the, the, the sign is not the covenant. covenant. The covenant is not circumcision. The covenant is about so much more that God makes, this agreement, these promises that God, make, God makes to Abraham. It's about the land. It's about um, the faith that will be required in receiving this covenant. It's about the things that, that God is promising to Abraham. All these relationship features they are the covenant. But the sign was doing something very real. So it's very important for us to understand what the sign is. Why God makes a big deal about this sign. What does it mean? Okay, three things this morning, or briefly here, so we can get to the main event, which we really want to do. I'll tell you, I'm excited. It's a happy day for me because I actually haven't baptized someone in a while. So it's exciting for me to be doing it again, and especially with a family that I love so much. Uh, so we're going to get there. But before we get there, let's get there with real depth. Let's understand what we're doing. So three things about this sign we need to understand, the sign of the covenant that, that the passage tells us. Number one, this sign of the covenant is about community. Specifically, it's about entering a community, right? You can tell that by looking at who gets it. If you look there in verse 12, who gets the sign? And God's very clear. He says, members of your household get the, get the sign, right? If you're born there, you get the sign. If you're working in the household, you get the sign. Any guy that comes in, any guy that's that coming in by birth, any guy coming in by marriage, any guy that's coming in by indentured servitude, because Israel, ancient Israel had this system where if you were on hard times or a foreigner, you could come into a household and you'd be an indentured servant. It was temporary or it may become permanent at some time if you just couldn't handle life. But this is the way they hand, this is the way they cared for their poor. There was indentured servitude. And anybody who came in that way also got the sign. This is rather inclusive, considering the promises that are attached to this covenant, considering the promises that God is making to Abraham. This is very inclusive. And this means, friends, that this, this sign of circumcision, it's not a sign of race. It's not a sign of ethnicity. You can tell by the way that foreigners are invited in, right? If they're, even if somebody's foreigner, they get the sign if they're in this community. And that tells us that it's, it's not about a certain being ethnically pure. It, it might have become that later on, mis, I would say misinterpreted by, by Jews to say this is a sign of being Jewish, ethnically Jewish. That's not what it is here. Because even foreigners get the sign as well. It's not a sign of race. It's not a sign of salvation having taken place in an individual. How do we know that? Because many people in that community got circumcised, but we know they didn't enter into the deeper reality to which the sign pointed, right? We know that the very next two next guys who get circumcised, Isaac and Ishmael, both of them got circumcised. One of them entered into the deeper reality, what the, the prophets called being circumcised in their heart. The other one did not, right? And so that happened a lot, actually, in every generation. Some of them got circumcised, but they weren't circumcised in their heart 
as it, the sign didn't lead them to where they needed to go, they weren't, as the Apostle Paul put it later, they weren't really Israel. You know, at one point Paul says, you know, not all of Israel is Israel, right? So that's number one. It's about a sign that's delimiting coming into membership in the community of God's people. That's number one. Number two, very clear, it's about children. You see that? It, it really, starting in verse 2, it's almost in every verse, it's about children. I will multiply you, verse 2. Verse 6, you will be fruitful. Verse 7, you and your offspring, keeps repeating that, you and your offspring, you and your offspring. It's about children. And that's why the, the primary use of this sign, the most people who got it through the history of Israel, by far the majority of people who got this sign were eight days old. Because usually that's when you got the sign. Now, there were some people who got it as adults, but that's almost like the exception. The vast majority of people who got this sign of the covenant got it when they were eight days old. It was, it was because it was about the seed. And it was performed on the male member because the male member provided the seed. And so the males stepped forward to represent the community. The males got this sign in behalf of all. That's a very masculine thing to do, to represent the community. So they stepped forward, and as representatives of the community, the males got this sign to sanctify procreation, basically. So I just want to point out, if it's about children, then the sign cannot be about making a decision for God. Okay? The sign isn't about you saying, I'm showing my faith in God by receiving this sign. It can't be, right? Because the infant didn't know what was going on, right? Somebody's eight days old has no idea what's happening to him. So the sign, that doesn't mean there's not faith involved in receiving the sign as the person grows, but the sign can't be marking that. The sign is not marking their faith. That's not what the sign is saying. Okay, well then what is the sign saying? The sign is not saying, I'm making a decision for God. What's the sign saying? And that leads us to number three. It's about a cutting off. The sign is about a cutting off. It's a curse as well as a blessing. You look at verse 14, and you find that this sign, like all covenant signs, all the signs that God says, this is a sign of my covenant, hold a curse as well as blessing. And this is, this is what takes us into the deeper meaning of the sign. There needs to be a cutting off or else you get cut off. It's not just all about the promises. There needs to be a cutting off or else you get cut off. It's very serious for you to not get circumcised if you were a descendant of Abraham. It's very serious, and it comes out in this passage um, that it's very serious if you don't get this sign. And that points us... Uh, shows us what the sign points to. See, to really understand this, it's not all that comfortable to think about. But this is where we're going. This is where the, the Bible's taking us this morning. Verse 13 says, this sign has to be in your flesh. There needs to be a cutting off of your flesh. It's like cutting off yourself from yourself. If I can put it that way. It's a cutting of, of yourself from yourself that needs to go on. And it's uncomfortable to think about, 
But that's the point. It's serious. So if we're going to enter into the deeper meaning here, we need to grasp hold of that meaning. It's about the need for a cutting off. And if there's not a cutting off, somehow this sign will be a curse for you. Now, okay, let me maybe unscrunch our noses and say, you know, take a step back and say, if this has to be this way, like God said, this has to be this way, it must be because there's something seriously wrong with the seed, right? For God to do something like this, it's really brutal. There must be something seriously wrong uh, with us and the offspring, right? And that's what the book of Genesis tells us the story of. It, tell, it goes back, you go back and read in Genesis 3. There is something seriously wrong. And it's when the first couple turned away from God. And all of us thereafter turned away with them. So when they turned away, the seed was corrupted. And, you know, when we turned away from God, there, we were cutting ourselves off from God. There was a cutting off. And now we're cut off from God. That's the problem. And that's the problem that Genesis is telling us the story of. There's a problem that we got somehow cut off from God. We turned away. Our parents turned away and we turned away. Seed was corrupted. And God, in response, I'm going to address this problem. You know, I'm going I'm I'm to address this problem. And I'm going to do it with you, Abraham. So Genesis chapter 12, he comes and he says, Abraham, I'm gonna, you guys are cut off. And so I'm going to try to address this, and I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to start with one person, one individual, and, and his family, and his seed. And I'm going to make an everlasting covenant with you. And that's how we're going to address this. I'm going to, I'm going to bring you back, even though you're cut off from me. Right? So that's what he does. He begins with this covenant. And they're cutting off is the sign that some cutting off has to be done to make the connection possible once more. And so I'll give you this sign of circumcision. But remember, circumcision is just the sign. It's not the thing, right? It's not the water park. It's pointing to the water park, but it's not the, it's not the deeper reality itself. So what's the deeper reality? What is it that it's pointing to? And God tells Abraham that, or shows Abraham that in Genesis 15. Just two chapters before this, before he gives the sign, he says, this is the deeper reality. This is what it's about. And you can go back and read. It's a very strange story. Genesis 15 is this very surreal. God brings Abraham into this big darkness, and uh, it's very misty and mystical. And there's all, it's like you don't know what's going on. Abraham doesn't know what's going on. There's this animal that he cuts in half. God is very clear what happens. Here's the meaning. God said he passes through the animals, animals, and what he's saying when he passes through is, I swear I will be cut off so you can be blessed. That's the deeper meaning of the covenant. I'm going to be cut off so that you can receive these blessings. I'm swearing to you, Abraham, you're going to get these blessings. And then we're going to do it, not because it relies on you, because that's not, that's not a good bet. And as it turned out, it wasn't a good bet. But I'm, gonna, I'm going to receive the cutting. I'm going to be cut off. 
And that, friends, is what Paul means by the circumcision of Christ in Colossians chapter 2. You use that expression, you're like, what is he talking about? Jesus Christ being circumcised? Well, he was a Jewish boy, so no doubt he got circumcised. But that's not what the circumcision of Christ means. When Paul says that in verse 11 of Colossians chapter 2, he's talking about the son went to the cross, and at the cross, he was cut off from the father. It's as if God was cut off from himself. It was, a, it was like a circumcision. It was God being cut off from himself. It almost seems impossible, but that's somehow what happened at the cross. And he says it's a cross right in verse 14. This was all nailed to the cross. God from himself. You see? This sign that he's giving to Abraham is not a, a sign of Abraham's faith, but it's a call to him and with him the community to see what God had done for him, what God was going to do for us. It's not what we're doing for God. It's about what God has done for us. And it's a pointer to the future. And when, it, and when Jesus Christ came and went to that cross, he fulfilled that sign. That's what Paul is doing in this passage. It may be hard to understand, but we can see now what he's doing. He's bringing it forward. In Colossians 2, he's saying, you know, for as long as God administered his kingdom that was clustered around the physical lineage of Abraham, circumcision worked. Circumcision was good. Fit the bill. But when Christ came and he actually fulfilled the sign, the cutting off, and because he was cut off, now we don't have to do the cutting off. Instead, we do baptism. So you see what Paul is doing? He's replacing the sign of circumcision with baptism. The reason why it's just water now, the reason why Liam can you know, rest easy in his seat here, is because of what Christ has done for him. Because of what Christ has done, when we brought, are brought into union with him in baptism, we receive the promises because of what he's done. So, that's why Paul says, I'm just reading here, it's, it's the physical, the, the flesh, the body of flesh was removed in verse 11. He's not saying, he's not talking about our physical body. He's using this, this Greek word, sarx. He means our sinful nature. Our sinful nature is removed from us by what Jesus did on the cross. And it's done, verse 11, not by the hands of men. We're not at a bris here. I'm not a mohel. But rather, it was done by God, not by human hands, but it was, there was a transaction at the cross. And verse 12, the promise of that transaction is transmitted to Solomon to Liam at baptism. They're identified with Christ being cut off, and so they receive the promises of the covenant. Isn't that beautiful? That's what's going on here. So then, where does that leave us as Christians with Physical circumcision. For us now, that's, it becomes optional. right? You might still uh, get circumcised as a boy it, for cultural reasons, for family reasons, for hygienic reasons. You know, eighth day, antibodies are high. right? Uh, you might still have, do it for, for hygiene, but not for religious reasons. 
We don't do it. As Christians, we cannot do it for religious reasons because the sign has been fulfilled because Christ shed his blood because he went through being cut off from God. We don't shed the baby's blood anymore. So we can bring it forward ourselves. What is baptism doing today? It's doing the same thing that circumcision did. If Paul's saying it's a replacement here for circumcision, it's the same thing. One, it's, it's about coming into a community. Right? It's about these boys coming into the community of the faithful, the covenant community, not a statement about their salvation having taken place. Right? But what happens is they come into the place that ushers us into salvation. They come in and get all the benefits of the covenant community. They get the word consistently, regularly preached, hopefully faithfully preached. They get the prayers of the community. They get eventually the sacrament. They get the fellowship of the community. They get all these things that work toward bringing us to the inner reality to which the sign points. The sign is pointing us here. We get into the, they get into the community, and they're able to, to go in in their heart we hope and we trust. And just like circumcision, it's about children. We're not pointing to their choice in the matter today because they're children being baptized. We're expecting them to respond in faith as they grow. But it's not about them and what they're doing for the Lord. It's about what the Lord has done for us. And also like circumcision, <clears throat> baptism still holds a curse as well as a blessing. And you can get that clearly if you read different passages about baptism in the New Testament. Um, it's, it's not all about blessing. There's, there's also, you know, a warning in, in baptism as well. That is to, to receive these in faith, to cast yourself upon the circumcision of Christ. And I'll, I'll tell you just from experience, I'm not doing them any favors if they don't receive this sign in faith as they grow. And I know because now I have baptized a lot of people. And I'm now old enough where I've seen some of these people grow up. And most of them, praise the Lord, receive this by faith. But some who have received the sign do not. And I'll tell you, it's, it's almost worse for them. Their lives go strangely bad. It's weirdly bad. So this is, this is what we're doing today. It's a serious thing. But... We're very hopeful and we're very happy because they're being, being brought into and through a household that honors the Lord and lifts the Lord up so well. So I'm going to use water and I'm going to use, I'm going to really use it. Like I'm not here to protect the baptism dress. I don't know what Solomon's wearing today. But I'm, I'm, uh, I don't like to be shy about using the water because, you know, they experience a little discomfort now in place of not getting cut off. And so as I'm doing this here, what I want you to do is I want you to rejoice with me that what they're getting in this sign, being identified with the circumcision of Christ, they are getting instead of being cut off. Isn't that wonderful news? Amen. Amen. All right.